Without Jerry McNamara, we wouldn't have won 10 f- games this year. Okay? Not 10. Two seconds and one. It's 10 wins in a row for the Crunch. It's the biggest upset in the Carrier Dome in more than 30 years as the Orange hold off the defending national champions. They beat Clemson. The Bills make me want to shout. McCoy in the backfield takes the handoff, runs up the middle, breaks a tackle. He's inside the 10, cuts to the left, into the end zone. Buffalo wins. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Somebody in Vegas told them they were going to win by 20. They'll look at the positive side of things once in a while instead of the negative all the time. This is On the Block. Here's X-Men. ESPN Radio 97.7, the ESPN Radio, Utica, Rome, Valley, now heard on 96.5 FM. If you're listening on the ESPN app, if you got Alexa for Christmas last year, you can listen on your Alexa, just enable the ESPN Syracuse skill and listen that way. If you think Santa might bring you an Alexa, This year, well, one of the first things you can do when you get your new Amazon Echo, otherwise known as Alexa, is uh, enable the ESPN Syracuse skill. Listen to us that way, okay? However you listen to the program, you know we appreciate that. Here's how you get in touch. 437-7644, the phone number, Brent Axe Media, Brent Axe Media on Twitter. The text line is 288-0644. Please address texts during this show to me if you don't mind. I mean, if you want to text Seth or Daniel Baldwin or somebody else, I mean, I really don't blame you for that. But if you could keep the text during this show to text for me, we would appreciate that, right? Thanks, Brent. You're welcome, Coach. Yeah, we would appreciate that. 437-7644, the phone number to get in touch. Well, you know you'll be talking to me. Guess free on this Monday. We've got a lot to cover. I'm sure you've got a lot of things to say about Syracuse basketball, as do I. We've got hot takes as usual. We have the blind side as we do every Monday. We have an NFL weekend to go over. In our next segment, we'll cover the weekend that was in the National Football League, including my special message for our friends at Fox here in Syracuse. We're not putting on the Buffalo Bills' triumphant victory over the Detroit Lions yesterday at Ralph Wilson Stadium. All that on the table, plus we'll hear from you throughout the show. But let's dive right in, shall we? Oh, I know there was one other thing I wanted to mention. Today, uh, Dino Babers, Kendall Coleman, Eric Dungy, amongst those talking through the local media as we really start to hone in on the Camping World Bowl a mere 11 days away. Practices getting intense up at Syracuse. They will travel to Orlando, I believe, a week from today on Christmas Eve. They're heading down, so it's time to lock in the recruiting season is behind them for the most part. The early signing period comes later this week, so there's a lot of good media SU football things to start honing in on, but now you really start to focus in and game plan on the Mountaineers who do not have their starting quarterback. So we will discuss that more and hear from uh, those three gentlemen that I mentioned later in the program. But we do start with Jim Beheim's team, the basketball team, who finds itself in a pretty precarious position 
here today. Now, tomorrow is December 18th, and no one would be wise to declare a season in any definitive form to be either over or hand a trophy to a team on that date. But you can't get around the fact that tomorrow's game is very important. You cannot get around the fact that tomorrow's game is big. You cannot get around the fact that it'd be a really good idea to have Syracuse win this game and get it in its back pocket. It was a good idea before they lost to Old Dominion on Saturday at the Carrier Dome. It's an even better idea now. What you are doing, even if they do win tomorrow, is you're taking that proverbial margin of error and you are shrinking it due to something that I've discussed for a while on this show, and I've, I don't want to say been warning you about because you know it's not exactly something you don't know as a fan base. Usually a warning is something of, of dire consequence that maybe you don't know about. You guys know this stuff. You're smart fans. You understand the quad system and put into play the new net rankings and what it takes to be a team that's sit, not sitting on the bubble. We have all become experts on this in the past few years because Syracuse has had some bubble teams. Some get in, some get out. Last year, they were literally the last team in and took advantage fully of their opportunity to play in the NCAA tournament. They made the Sweet 16. So there's a couple of things that are crossing paths in this game tomorrow. One is we are all aware of what is needed non-conference-wise there. To have four non-conference losses with a team that's not quite all there yet, that is not heeding the command of its coach to get better, as he frequently says at post-game press conferences on this show and other places. Four non-conference losses puts a lot of pressure on you to have no margin for error in what is the best conference in college basketball. Four non-conference losses with your one big one. In the wind department. Sorry, I had to sneeze there for a second. Pardon me for that. Is Ohio State. If you combine Ohio State and Buffalo, now what we start to see is a scale that's a little more balanced. Because Ohio State is 13th in the net ranking. Buffalo is 14, or I might have those reversed. But they are both, at this point, top 15 teams in the net rankings. If you're not familiar with the net rankings, it's this new system that the NCAA is using to basically show you how they're putting the committee together before they actually put the committee together, before they put the field together for the NCAA tournament. And now we know about the quad system and all these other funky things that come into it. If you combine Ohio State and Buffalo, it doesn't change the fact that you still have losses to Old Dominion, Connecticut, and Oregon, but it certainly helps do what? Balance the scale. And then if you can get a few quality ACC wins, rise above the middle of the uh, of the pack, pardon me, in the conference, then you're fine. But if you lose tomorrow, and you are a middle-of-the-pack team in the ACC, if you do not improve, if you do not get better, as per the command of your coach, you're going to have a real rough go of it making the NCAA tournament. Now, that's the semantics of it all. We all know how big these games are 
because the committee looks at a whole season. The team itself right now is still a little bewildering to people, knowing that there are almost three full months of a season to go. You have all of January, all of February, and part of this month. You still have a few more games this month, ACC play, the ACC tournament, right? But this is the type, this is the time of year, pardon me, that you want to start to see some improvement. You want to start to see some things that indicate to you that you can be a serious contender in the ACC. And it just further proves that, Everything put on paper doesn't always come to fruition, right? You got to peel away the layers and look at why teams are the way they are. It was hard to ignore, though. It was hard to ignore that coming into the season, Syracuse had more experience than almost anybody in the ACC and in the preseason top 25. The hype started to build on Syracuse a little bit, as it should, when you look at things just coming in. They have two NBA talents in Tyus Battle and O'Shea Brissett. This was the thought at the beginning of the season. How much of this has changed up to this point is, you know, really up to you to decide. But you had a guy who was going to get picked in the NBA draft comes back. You had a guy who we think is going to get picked in the next NBA draft to have his big breakout sophomore season. You had a senior point guard who led the ACC in steals a year ago. Incoming talent. We heard a lot of great things about Jalen Carey. We heard about the shooting prowess of Buddy Beheim. You counted on some natural progression for Pascal Chukwu and Barama Sidibe and Marek Doljai, who had a terrific NCAA tournament. Last we knew, Doljai on the court coming in, it looked like he could come in, be that glue guy, be that X factor, be the hustle guy, could play a little center if he needed to. We heard so much about Elijah Hughes. And the, time, and the type of talent that he could bring to the table. Some of those things have happened, namely Hughes. Hughes has been exactly what I think most of us expected. A player who can score inside and out, can shoot a little bit, adds another offensive option, I think, defensively. He's comfortable in the zone. He knows how to draw charges. He doesn't seem overwhelmed by the moment. That year of practice at Syracuse really helped him. Tyus Battle's been Tyus Battle. I don't know if there's much more you can ask him to do, especially when Frank Howard came back and Tyus did not have the burden of playing both guard positions. He could focus on what he does, and he scores. That's one of the crimes from Saturday is when you get a 23-point performance from Tyus Battle, you don't want to waste that. There's going to be games he scores big and you lose because that's just basketball and there's ACC games that's going to happen, but you cannot do that against Old Dominion. You cannot do that with an 11-point lead. You cannot do that, and many other things I can go over here. I think that is what bothers fans more at this point. And they look at it and they say, why hasn't this team played up to its on-paper capabilities? Well, I think we know the answers to that. But one thing that I don't know the answer to is why they are getting nothing in terms of production in the middle. It's something that Jim Beheim is bewildered by as well. I can't. I can't. uh tell you why they can't, but they're not. I can only tell you what they're not doing. I can't tell you why they're not doing it. They're getting pushed a little bit, but you can't. you you got to be able to play through that. They can't. Right now, they can't. A little more from Jim Beheim after Saturday's game. We learn every night. We learn tonight. We certainly didn't shoot very well. We didn't make our free throws. 
and we weren't physical enough, and we have to get more out of the center position to be successful. It keep it kept, pardon me, circling back to the centers. What went wrong? What's going wrong? No matter what you asked about, Bayheim would kind of steer back and say, we're not getting anything from the center position. We just didn't play offensively well in the second half. You know, we didn't shoot well, had some opportunities, missed some shots around the basket. You know, but they were just a very good defensive physical team. They were a very solid defensive team. We played very well the first half. You know, we met, had a breakdown at the end of the first half. We let their shooter shoot a three. We never should have gotten that three and uh, you know, gave them some momentum coming in. B.J. Stith, who didn't score in the first half, scores 18 in the second, living life comfortably in the middle of the zone defense. So they know what's wrong. In some ways you can fix it, but in others the question remains if you can. Donna DeTota wrote a great piece today on Syracuse.com that said, yes, the centers are not doing this, but they also need help. And a lot of fans, I've got some tweets coming in, and we'll certainly hear your comments throughout the show. Are, you know, when things like this happen, fans get worked up and they lean on the coaches more. And they say, well, what are they teaching these guys? You can't just get up there every day and say, they've got to be better. What are you doing to put the centers in the position to be better players? People start to ask fair questions like that. I buried the lead here if you know me and you listen to me and you follow me on Twitter. But it's just obvious to say. I could scream it from the rooftops all day. It's not really going to change anything. But it is certainly worth noting that you cannot go 22 of 34 at the free throw line. Hashtag free throws matter. You get put at the free throw line 34 times. That's 34 free points. Naturally, you're going to miss a few. It happens. But 22 of 34 at the free throw line, I... Whew, that's, that's even saying it out loud again. It's no, I mean, God bless Tyus Battle. He shows up afterwards, was working at the Carrier Dome before they broke everything down, working on his free throw shooting after the game. Everybody that stepped to the line in that game, and he got to the free throw line 15 times. And he made 11 of 15. It's not like he didn't deliver in that sense, in that case, but 22 of 34 at the free throw line. When you are a team that drives and dishes and runs the pick and roll and counts on those free throws as much as Syracuse, yeah, I think it's obvious to circle that with a red pen and say, can't do that. If that becomes a consistent problem for this team, and they were 11th in the ACC coming into this game, that's one thing the centers actually do, by the way. Pascal Chukwu actually makes his free throws for a player at that position. So you know, we got to give credit where it's due there. So a lot to sort through on the Syracuse basketball front for sure. We'll continue to do that. We'll do some hot takes later. We'll do the blind side coming up. Look back on the NFL weekend. Some weird stuff happening in the NFL right now. Some things you expect, but also some weird stuff happening here with just a couple weeks to go. So we'll sort through it all coming up. Right now we're going to check in with our man Lee Baldwin. You can find them at LeeBaldwin.com, or better yet, stop in in their offices in Casanova and Utica. Say hello and get that portfolio with more diamonds than dogs. Lee, how was the weekend? Nice weekend. How about you, Brent? Not bad. Got some Christmas shopping done, watched some football. At least I tried to watch football because I didn't put my team on local television, but that's a different <laughs> thing for a different day. But uh, a good one. How about you, my friend? Yeah, same thing. Trying to get some of that shopping done and watch a little football. And I'm going to watch, it should be a good game tonight, so I'm going to keep my eyes on that. Very good. 
I'm not going to watch the market anymore. It's down again today. Oh, we boy. officially went negative for the year, so the Dow was down about 500. Youch. Um, but I do have a diamond. 500 just today? Yeah. Oh, boy. It's uh, Yeah, just today. <laughs> but uh, I do have a diamond, Jack in the Box, up three bucks as they Whoa. announced that they are putting themselves up for sale, possibly. So uh, I was going to say, I didn't know they were still around. They, they still are, have not those. Not around in our area. No, but they we don't around. have any. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And then, uh, uh, dog, you take your pick today, but uh, I'm going to go with J&J, down almost 4 bucks. They were down a similar amount on Friday, so uh, they've got some issues they've got to uh, uh, handle with their PR people. So that's all I'll say. So. All right, Lee. Well, let's uh, let's get a Christmas rally going this week. You've before got we, it. We Santa have... Claus rally. There you go, baby. Thank you, sir. Yep. That's Lee Baldwin, ladies and gentlemen. Again, find him at LeeBaldwin.com or just stop in. Kaz, Utica, say hello, and especially when you have a down day like today. My friends at Lee Baldwin are very good at finding the diamonds for you, leaving those dogs aside. Let's break on that. No, we will come back more on Syracuse, of course. We'll dig into the NFL weekend, including, hey, Fox, hello. Your friend Brent has a few words for you coming up. Stay right here. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Welcome back. You're on the block ESPN Radio. It is presented by our friends at the Chocolate Pizza Company. Driving home right now, right? And it's going to hit you. Oh, man, I got to get a gift for that guy. Oh, crap. I See, every year it happens to me, too. I'm with you. It happens to me every year. I thought about it today. I had the day off from Syracuse.com today, so I was, you know, doing some things, and I'm Sitting there, I had a moment of zen. I was like, I, I'm done. Like, I've got it. Darn it! I forgot that person, right? So if you are in that camp, chocolate pizza, great gift. They make all sorts of creative chocolate concoctions over there at Chocolate Pizza Company. They make terrific gifts for, if you got to get something for somebody in the office, something cool under the Christmas tree, great stocking stuffers, whatever the case may be, you cannot go wrong with our friends at the Chocolate Pizza Company. So... I'm with you. It happens. You think you're done. You got to get one or two other things. It's a great last minute gift. Stop on in there and grab some great stuff from, I mean, nobody re-gifts chocolate pizza or any of their great creative chocolate creations. Got a few good texts here, or I should say tweets on Syracuse Hoops that I want to get into. Your calls are welcome at 437-7644. The text line is 288-0644. We'll get to all of them. But for now, I would just like to take a moment to send a special message to our friends at uh, Fox 68 here locally who chose to put the Dallas Cowboys-Indianapolis Colts game, which ended up being a 23-0 Colts victory, over your Buffalo Bills in the Detroit Lions. Now, I understand that the Cowboys-Colts game had more playoff implications than the Bills-Lions game, which had exactly zero playoff implications. And I will say this, had they had to make a choice between the Bills and the Giants and they if they took the Giants, I would understand that because traditionally Fox is the NFC network and CBS is the AFC network. Now that's gotten weird and different and some games end up on the other channels in recent years, but audiences have been trained to go to a certain channel for the most part to watch their team. Had they picked the Giants over the Bills, I get it. I would have totally understood that, but that was not the case. They just put the Cowboys game on 
for some ridiculous reason. This is not something you should overthink. And I have had conversations with people over there about this before. And while I have respectfully disagreed then, I am not going to respectfully disagree now. This is not hard. There are more Bills fans in this town than Cowboys and Colts fans combined. This is a Buffalo Bills town along with a Giants town. You put the local team on. You shouldn't have to think about this, debate this, or have somebody like me questioning you on Twitter as it's happening and on the radio the next day. Just put the local team on. Put the team on people want to see. I don't care that that's another game. That ha- that that other game, pardon me, has playoff implications. And look, I survived. I have the Red Zone channel. I have the internet. I live in an era where I can still see my team. But don't overthink this. People want to watch their team. The Bills are two hours away from here. The Dallas Cowboys and the Indianapolis Colts are not. So just for you, our friends at Fox. The Bills make me want to kick your heels up. And just for you. Throw your hands up and throw your head back and Come on now, the Bills are making it happen now. And you missed one of five Bills wins this year. You couldn't even show a win. Can't even say you had it. Now, baby, come on, come on. Enthralling 14-13 matchup. Bills defeating the Detroit Lions. Come on, everybody. Everybody at Fox, sing along now. Make me wanna shout. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just put the local team on. Okay? This isn't hard. This is not hard. Just put the Bills game on. Now, I believe our friends at Channel 5 have to pick between the Bills and the Giants this week. So, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> but in the Fox case, don't overthink it. Put the Bills game. Go to the phone, shall we? 437-7644. Back to some SU talk with my man Scooter in Jamesville on the block. What's up, Scoot? Hey, X-Men. Hey, hey how, how ironic this might be if, if the basketball season doesn't go the way we expect it. You always have football season to look forward to, huh? It's amazing that we're here on December 17th and the football team is more relevant, they're more exciting, and they're playing in a bigger situation than the basketball team. It's not to say the basketball team can't right the ship and get there, but if they're not progressing now, they're just kind of putting themselves in a tough situation to do that. You know, actually, if you go back to the history of uh, SU basketball, the teams that are the most talented teams haven't progressed as well as the teams that have chemistry. If you go back to the 96 season, we go to the Final Four. 2003, you know, we have we have one NBA player and the rest are great uh, role players. And it seems to me when we have like a lot of NBA type players, like a, for example, I believe uh, 1990, I think we're preseason number one. We had a NBA front line of Coleman, Billy Owens, and Laron Ellis all went to the NBA. We lost to Minnesota that year. We had another great uh, NBA, uh, you know, Ronnie Cycli, Sherman Douglas. I believe Billy Owens was on this team too. We lost to Rhode Island the year after he went to the Final Four. I, I'm wondering this team here because we have a couple NBA. Uh, prospects that 
are they playing well to, for, for Syracuse to win, or are they playing well to, to be in the NBA? For example, Brissett, I think, is great around the basket, but, yeah, he's taking a lot more three-pointers, especially in New York City than we expect, but that's what he's probably going to have to do to make the next level in the NBA. Uh, I'm just kind of wondering, uh, you know, it's more of a chemistry thing where I think for what Syracuse has got to do to win, some players might have to go back and play, you know, for Syracuse to be successful more than the next level of the NBA, which is, you know, the show off their uh, talents and Scoot, stuff. Scoot, it's a fair question to ask. I just think the way that Bayheim runs his offense and runs his teams, I don't think he allows that to happen. But what naturally happens when you are a player like Tyus Battle who's gone through NBA camps, learned NBA moves, when you're out there playing and the opportunity presents itself, it kind of leaks into your game. Now, Tyus has the green light to go and, and be the primary scorer and be the guy anyway. O'Shea... He's not as extreme as he was, say, what was it, the Connecticut game when he shot nine three-pointers and just parked himself on the three-point line at Madison Square Garden. That was ridiculous. But he can shoot that. There's a couple of, of shots in that game that he hit from that spot. When O'Shea is open from the perimeter, from the top of the key, from certain spots on the three-point line, he can hit that. Do you want O'Shea mixing it up inside, being more of a guy who is good around the basket? Yes. Yes, you do. But I don't want to discourage him from taking that shot. So it's all about finding balance. Is that because they're thinking about the NBA? I don't think so. I just think your game progresses naturally, and you hope that it progresses so that NBA people notice it. But I don't think that's what's happening out there. My man Stefan in Utica listening on 96.5 FM. On the block. Well, hello, Stefan. Well, hello, Axeman. What's going on, my friend? Now, I was at the Syracuse basketball game Saturday. Were you uh, sitting courtside VIP? Uh, no, I was oh, not. That's, that's I was it, that... uh, up in the uh, third deck, actually. Oh, that's so, that is unacceptable. And, but... If Stefan is at a game, he needs to be courtside and given the VIP treatment. I will not stand for this. No more th- third deck seats for you, my friend. But I saw a team with a lack of hustle, and they committed too many fouls, and I feel it was a waste of time. Well, I'm sorry to hear that, Stefan, because this team does hustle. They do play hard. Syracuse and Old Dominion are both teams that play slow styles. Generally, Syracuse, you know, scored 50 points in the second half against Georgetown. They got out and ran a little bit there. Those breaks, that fast style of play comes from defense for the most part. But this whole they're not playing hard, they don't hustle thing. I don't I don't I'm very careful about that. What they can do is move the ball more. What they can do is in those sets, break hard each time what they can do are things that can you do for 40 minutes. They did press a little bit to try and get back in that game, and I'm not making excuses for certain things. you got an 11-point lead in the second half against Old Dominion. You better hold that. You better make your free throws. You better, you know, look, offensively they were terrible, and Old Dominion shot 55% in the second half. That's the best percentage anybody shot on Syracuse this year. There's a difference between playing hard and missing rotations and not knowing where you need to be. Like Pascal left the corner shooter open, what, three times in that second half? 
that's frustrating because you at least got to know where to be in that rotation. You got to know what your steps are in that defense. Is that lack of hustle? No, but what happens is your head gets in the way and you're thinking too much. This team, like most, is at its best when it's just playing and not thinking out there. 437-7644 is the phone number. Let's uh, sneak another phone call or two here. Then I want to read some uh, tweets before we take a break, do some hot takes coming up. Not that we haven't been doing that already, but uh, Ben in Manlius is next up on the block. Go ahead, Ben. Hi, Brent. Thanks for having me. Um, I just wanted to address, I guess it was a Scooter's call about uh, the NBA talent on this team because right. I, I don't think there is any. Um, I don't think it's right. You, there's you, a lot of things you can criticize uh, Tyus and O'Shea for, but trying to play like NBA players is not one of them because if you watch the NBA at all, I, I don't – see how their games uh, translate easily to the league. Um, they don't really shoot well enough. They don't finish at the rim, either one of them, well enough. Uh, and that's not the way the NBA is going. It's all about spacing and movement and shooting these days, and that's not really anything that is run by a Jim Beheim offense. Ben, it's an interesting point because one thing that they both, I think, have to establish, and you know this, you sound like you watch a lot of the NBA, to go in the draft, you know, you need this, like, big-time marketable skill. What is special about you and your group of, your position group, that's going to make me take you? And last year, Tyus was at the point where he was kind of mid, high to mid-second round. O'Shea I look at a player who can shoot, who can get inside, who you know has the potential to do all those things you mentioned, but does he stand out in either one of those categories? O'Shea is not taking advantage of the glare of spotlight, I'll put it that way, that has been put on him to develop there. He still struggles to finish at the basket. Do I think he could play in the NBA at some point? I do. Do I think that that progress is a little slower than I thought it would be? Yes. Yes, I do. But do I think he could get drafted and be developed into a pro basketball player? I absolutely do. Is he going to go in this upcoming draft in 2019? Well, again, it depends on how. what makes you stand out about the position group you're in. That's what those two have to figure out. And that's why naturally, you know, you could see players take a few more shots because it's what you just said, Ben, and it's a great point. Spacing, shooting, knowing the value of players at all positions that can do that in the NBA right now. So... It'll be interesting to see how that develops as they go because look, mock drafts are what they are. I have not checked in with the scout who knows recently. I'll have to do that to see if there's been any movement there. But neither one of those two is a first-round prospect at this point. And I think they have fallen off entire boards in some situations. But we know how that thing fluxes up and down. At this point, though, would bo- if the NBA draft was tomorrow, would either one of those two go in it? I don't. I think Tyus would. O'Shea certainly would not. Few tweets from you, Brent Dax Media, and I've got to take a break here, but I wanted to make sure to get these in. Our boy Jim CBW tweets in, free throws matter, but let's be honest, should a game against Old Dominion really come down to free throw shooting? Sometimes the game does come down to free throw shooting. When you have, and I'm not criticizing the officials, but we had an, we had an aggressive group of officials that were calling what they saw. And when Syracuse counts on that kind of pick-and-roll, drive-and-dish offense as much as they do, and if you're going to get to the free-throw line, in a game like that, it does matter. You lost by six, 
You went 22 of 34 at the free throw line. Should a game against Old Dominion come down to that? No, but it did, and it really, really hurt them. Uh, Michael Kaplan tweets in, who's the coach of the centers again, Brent? Always surprises me that Coach Beheim and his staff rarely, if ever, take responsibility. I think if I had all four of them in this room right now, they'd all take responsibility for what's happening. They don't always offer it up in a public setting. And I think Jim's just being honest about, here's what's wrong with my team right now. We're not getting what we need out of the center position. It's not like he doesn't take any heat for that or doesn't take any responsibility for that. He's the, it all flows through him. Does he go to a press conference every time and say, that's my fault? No, he doesn't. If that makes you feel better to hear that, then, you know, to each his own. But it's not like they aren't addressing these things in practice. And I think, you know, if pressed, he would take some heat for it. He's head coach. Of course he has to. Uh, Josh, kind of saying the same thing, Josh Steele tweets in at Steele underscore PEM saying, JB, regardless of untouchable status, needs to be accountable for recruiting no one at that position and running such a bad offense. Why would a big want to play for the Orange? Syracuse typically doesn't recruit offensive-minded bigs, but they are recruiting Isaiah Stewart who can rebound like there's no tomorrow, is certainly an offensive talent there and is a highly coveted player at that position. That'd be a big score for Syracuse there because you look at recent history, you look at centers, they're just not offensively minded. Rakeem Christmas was certainly somebody who carried an entire team for a season, but it's not a position you typically recruit for offensive measures. You recruit because they're long, they're big in the zone, and they create opportunities on defense. I do need to break. We can certainly talk more about this throughout the show. Got some hot takes to come. Stay right there. You're on the block, ESPN Radio.